heard any of my other podcasts, but I tend to start it with a little segment I call Why Should We Give a Shit? About I love the it guest. already. So uh, feel free to to give your little your little shtick. About who I am? Yeah. Well, I am Taylor Bull. I am owner of 7th Wave Studio and 7th Wave Records. I am... Um, recently come out as transgender, so 7th Wave is one of the few that I've been able to find trans-owned studios. Hmm. Um, I know that there's numerous uh, trans artists and trans producers out there that do a lot of work themselves in small project studios in their houses and whatnot, but I'm not familiar, or I haven't been able to find too many other open studio production spaces mm-hmm. owned and operated by trans people. Mm-hmm. So um, what I've really been trying to do um, since I've come out is is direct my, um, my services more towards the LGBT queer community more. Mm-hmm. Um, because in this industry, it's largely run by white men doing mm-hmm. their things. Uh, you know, your cishets just far as the eye can see so it's it's really it feels like it's what i need to do mm. and it it feels right um i've always more enjoyed working with my um more diverse um artists and clients because they tend to think about things very different than me, and I and I like being challenged in my thoughts and my my feelings and my beliefs, and um, I find that art stands stronger from challenge. Hmm. Um, but if you're sitting on top of the pyramid, you're not going to find a lot of challenge. Right. And and being queer in the music industry, you face a lot more discrimination. I mean, the the national DIY scene has been very very open to it. Uh, and very, very inviting with safe spaces and queer spaces across the country. Um, but there's still that divide between doing it yourself and the industry, actual, like, recording studios, actual, like, labels. Mm. Um, there's a few labels that are doing great work, like Get Better Records out in Philly. Mm. Um trans-owned and, and queer-operated um, have put out some like great, great records by great artists. Um, so we're really in this nice um, renaissance of, of queer music, mm-hmm. I, I feel. I mean, I, someone call me out and say I'm wrong, but like it, <laughs> I keep hearing really, really great music. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be there to help them get a better product and feel safe and... Um, in a place where they can be their true selves and they don't have to water their self down to go into another facility like mine to work mm-hmm. with someone else and feel weird. Sure. It's great. It's a yeah. good time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I was prepared to talk about Alice Cooper. I would love I, to talk okay. about Alice Cooper, yeah, though. I was like, this This is also, uh, yeah, everything that, you know... Um, but yeah, I, I actually uh, I didn't research Alice Cooper as much as I. So I was reading this book called "Season of the Witch." Mm-hmm. Awesome, and it's about occult ramblings throughout the history of rock and roll. Mm. And they have like a whole later chapter devoted to Alice. I didn't get to it yet, oh. but um, 
just the whole do you know about like the how he got his name and all that i'm sure yeah um i don't i'm sure there's a deeper story here but i um the the story that i'm familiar with is the band was sitting around uh, a Ouija board trying to think of a name for the group. Yeah, right, right, and right. they were like summoning whatever they could to find a name. And um, they ended up talking to someone and they asked the name of the person. And the name of the person was Alice Cooper. Right. Um, so the name of the band was first Alice Cooper and then Alice himself, whose name was Francis? Legally? Originally? Yeah, something nerdy like that. Then legally changed his name to Alice Cooper. Right. Um, and it was crazy. I was in like, I haven't had this thought in like 10 years. I was in like eighth grade, I think ninth grade world history class. Alice Cooper was a 16th, 17th century architect what? or something what? real person was a real person. Yeah. And I was just like looking around at everyone else in my class. And of course, no one knew who Alice Cooper was. <laughs> Small little redneck town in Maryland. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny that they wouldn't know who Alice Cooper is. I mean, yeah. I'm not totally surprised, but, you know. It was a different time. Yeah. The internet wasn't the internet that we have today. Right. Social media was different. It was right. still the days of MySpace. Yeah. Early days of MySpace. Yeah. I don't even think fa Facebook didn't exist yet. Friendster was probably still kicking. Right. Yeah. I had a live journal. Awesome. Yeah. Mm, date myself there. <laughs> yeah. Did you have Zanga? I never got into Zanga. No? I had friends that did it. Uh, I just Zanga was great. There was a cute girl that got me in a live journal. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's that's what sure. did it for me. Yeah. And then it just was filled with my angst. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, it's funny. Um one of the podcasts I listened to, um, they were talking about they had sort of similar because they're they're like ten years older than us. Mm -hmm. They're like in their later thirties, and they didn't really have that creative internet outlet back mm -hmm. when they were in high school. And they said they would just write essays mm. in the pre-Columbine days, <laughs> very angsty essays mm -hmm. about certain other. Uh, students in their school, how they didn't like them, and and they would just get like a talking to with like their counselor, like, well, what you said about Billy isn't very nice, but we know it's just an essay, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, not saying you ever had any terroristic threats in your live journal or anything. I don't think so. But <laughs> but it's just funny, like we have this outlet now that mm -hmm. you can like put online, or uh, we did in high school. Um, and uh, who knows what kids you were sitting next to were writing in this secret little blog that, you know, not that they would ever, like, do any of this stuff, but uh, just just that outlet was very, is very different what we grew up with as opposed to, like, you know, 10 years earlier even mm -hmm. where you could just write. You'd be, you'd be writing in your journal or whatever and, and nobody yeah. could ever possibly come across, unless they looked at your journal. And it was a weird time because I didn't have too many friends in LiveJournal. So it was publicly private, I right, guess. Right, yeah. And, and you did have privacy settings that you could only have people follow you. But, like, the big difference was that it really was 
blogging, journaling. That's how it was structured. Yeah. It, it wasn't um, Facebook's whole thing. It, it's not Instagram's pictures. Right. Um, Twitter's little one-liners. Um, it really was meant to to write and it was mm -hmm. fully customizable like the days of myspace changed right. the backgrounds um font all of it you could totally format your journal as your way yeah and it was it helped me weirdly enough that helped me get through a lot of tough times sure being able to write something out um and communicate with other people like me mm -hmm. but it was such a smaller world online then right I mean, YouTube didn't even have music yet. Wow. I was still using LimeWire. Huh. And I remember still using Napster when I was real young. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, those were the days. First time <laughs> I ever heard Cake was on Napster. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. You should do, like, a interactive journaling now, just running your studio and everything. And, you know, a place, I've thought about it. You know, a place where people can interact and see the day-to-day -day and what you do here i mean i guess that's like vlogging now yeah but just hearing you know i talk about writing it out might be a nice i'm much more s smooth with my words mm -hmm. through writing um speaking it's it's a whole other ballpark especially like in my transition Sure. And like finding my new voice. Sure. That's a whole different thing. And I, I guarantee you a year from now I'll listen back and I'll just get a feeling of dysphoria listening to this. Because sure. I'm like, my voice itself is growing. Um, but I have thought about it because there's a lot of um, a lot of great resources from other studios and other just like facilities and, and organizations putting out great educational material but I, I wouldn't want to lean too much on just education more just like thoughts views approaches mm -hmm. ideas because my my issue that i have with um music education in general but specifically in uh, the audio engineering education side of things is that a lot of it gets taught of this is right, this is wrong. Don't do this, do it this way. Mm. And that's the worst advice you can ever get on anything. It's a lot. That methodology is, is really press this button to get this result. And that's not art. Yeah. And audio engineering for me um, was always a form of art. It's painting. Mixing is painting. Mm. You're just using sounds as colors. Right. And how you mix the colors together is how you get a decent mix. And you have to blur some lines in different places. And you might have to like carve some EQ and change some hues of some things for them to look pleasantly together. Mm. Like it, it's very, very artistic in its approach. So to simply tell someone don't use this on this is just absurd to me. It's finding out application. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part. Um, four years in audio engineering school and like I got a great foundation, but then I started interning here before I took over and that's when it started coming together. Mm -hmm. And um, I've, I'm definitely a real big advocate of, of engineering being taught in a sort of... Um, apprenticeship sort of way okay. in the in the old like 
blacksmith teaches his young lad the, his skills. Right. It is a it's a life goal if it's something that you truly want to master. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like music's a great hobby, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But to like truly master your domain, it takes. 10,000 hours, sure. right, yeah. is mm-hmm. the is the number they claim. That is, yep. And that's a lot of, fuck, can I say fuck? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fucking shit up. Oh, yeah. A lot of fucking shit up. Hell, yeah. And, you know, it's finding out, like, okay, maybe I would not have done this on this on this project. Yeah. But this on this for that project was exactly what it needed. And I've had a few interns come in with me, and that has been my... Ultimately, my primary goal Mm -hmm. um, is two things. One, explain to me why you're making the decisions that you're making. Hmm. And if you don't have a decision, don't do it. I need to know why did you choose that mic? Why did you choose that preamp? Why did you choose that compressor? Why did you choose that EQ? If you don't have a reason, then you're just blindly blindly doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I I need a reason. I need, like... Maybe you're just exploring. Cool. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to take up space on my hard drive as an intern, (laughs) I need to know why you're choosing that. Yeah. And the second thing is really um, knowing and seeing everything here as a tool. Mm -hmm. And like there... I used to work in electrical contracting. Whoa. Well, way I was I was in high school and then out of college before I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a hammer's a hammer and he's used for hammer things. But I can tell you, numerous times I pulled out a pair of Lymans from my back pocket and used them as a hammer. Oh, sure. It's it's all situational. Yeah. And if you can't see the forest through the trees, I guess is really the main goal: seeing the forest through the trees. Yeah. Being able to state why. And being able to see the forest through the trees. Those are my two main goals with anyone that's trying to learn the craft. Hmm. If you can have sight of those two things, you're going to do great. Do you have a particular area of your sound, I'm just going to call it engineering overall, that you enjoy most? Do you like the mixing or do you like the recording? Actually, better question, least favorite part of it all. Ooh, <laughs> mix revisions. <laughs> Mix revisions is the worst part, because um, I think my my favorite is tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of energy there. There's a lot of excitement because mm-hmm. things are being created. Um, we're gathering all the tools. Everyone usually tracking involves most everyone here. Um, if it's mm-hmm. a group, um, if it's just like a solo artist or a duo, usually they're here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just like more people in the space. Yeah. And there's more energy happening and it's more exciting to be like do we like this or do we like this? And it's just like this collective move towards a goal. Mixing is a little bit more solitude. Um because a lot of my editing and mixing I prefer to do on my own time. Mm-hmm. Um mostly because I don't want to hear someone tell me about something that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. I don't Gotcha. I'm, I'm working on this thing. I, I hear exactly what it is that you're talking about, but I'm three steps before I can touch that Yeah, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mixing is me trying my best to get to what our collective goal was. Hmm. And then mix revisions inherently is me finding out what I did wrong. Hmm. 
Gotcha. Yeah. But you don't ever do anything wrong. You don't ever <laughs> make mistakes. And it's it's you know it's art. You know there is yep. no right or wrong. Right. And I have to tell myself that a lot. Yep. But when you when mixed revisions can hit up to ten pages. Yeah. It's a lot to work through. Sure. Yeah. I bet it's all vocals too, right? It's a lot of it. Like... <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, all the self-consciousness seems to come A out. lot of it. Yeah. And that's why um, tracking is so important to me. Yeah. Because I can, this is going to sound pretentious, I can stop a lot of that self-doubt in the moment. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I spent a lot of time in college learning as much as I could about anything music. Mm-hmm. Um, I like took um, composition classes. I took numerous theory classes, uh, f- uh, form and analysis, counterpoint, Shankarian theory, um, two classes of conducting, like as much as I could. Conducting has actually come a lot more in handy than you think too. Um, orchestration that. came in handy. Um, and uh, took lessons on um, a couple of different instruments. Um, and then even since college, I, I studied with a, um, a wonderful voice teacher for a few months, less about being a better vocalist myself, but more about understanding it as a whole. Sure. And my vocal coaching from there on out was much better. Yeah. I, I could relate a little bit more. And then it really comes down to the hardest part about tracking, which is the challenge that I like, is that everyone uses different nomenclature. Everyone uses different mm. words for things. Um, you could have, you know, college musician over here use a bunch of fancy words, but then you have uh, someone who learned in their bedroom over here. Who's to say whose art is more valuable? Yeah. No one. So it's understanding the words that a musician uses to try to explain what's going on in their head. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, as a producer, that is my end goal. I want to know what's in your head and what the words you say really mean. Because I can pull up a dictionary, but that's not going to tell me mm-hmm. what you mean. And um, that's why like pre-production is so important for me mm-hmm. i usually travel to the client spend time with them oh, cool. in their hometown um sit with them with their rehearsals and um go drink at their favorite bars oh cool yeah uh, you know go go see shows with them yeah. do whatever i try to spend a week if i can with with them wow um and just like live their lives, see life through their perspectives. If if they have lyrics about a particular place in town, let's go there. Yeah. See it. Wow. And like experience it. And I bring that back here and I just like digest it a bit. So I have a clearer idea when they say that that sounds too angry. I can understand mm-hmm. what it means. Cause I <laughs> at one time I was working on this like focus record and this like um, grungish record and um, right around the same time I got mixed revisions for both of them and um, I, <laughs> I laughed so hard about it um, one said the bass sounds really dirty can we clean it up and the other one said the bass doesn't sound dirty enough can we dirty it up a little <laughs> bit more and they 
you listen to them. One sounded very clean. The other one sounded very dirty. But they both wanted to go in the opposite directions. That's funny. It's all perception. Yeah. Man. Lap Sang Sujong. Boy, that is smoky. It's nice, though, right? Yeah, it's nice, yeah. I picked it up on a whim because I hadn't had Mm. any... Was it African red tea, I think, the box said? West African red tea? I never had it, and I was like... Very surprised. Yeah. Oh my god, that would so good with Johnny Walker Red or something. <laughs> it just it tastes like Johnny Walker. It tastes literally like a hot toddy made with Johnny Walker. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I guess I'm gonna have to go get some to yeah. try. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's coming up on Johnny Walker season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to. Thinking back on it, this is like the saddest thing I I think I used to do, but I thought it was cool. Is uh I should have done it on Elliot Smith's birthday. But on the day Elliot Smith died, I used to listen to all his music and drink Johnny Walker Red and light a candle and listen to it in the dark. Which, I yeah, I should do it on his, yeah, October, someday in October. But it was like perfect Johnny Walker yeah, season. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah, it's fun because he has a song and it starts um, the lyrics. I'll fake it through the day with a bottle of Johnny Walker Red. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a song he played at the Oscars or the really? Emmys. Have you ever seen that video? I don't think I it's have. It's hilarious. I'll have to send it to you. Please. It's the year that um, the Titanic, the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. So Celine Dion, some other Hollywood singer bitch, Elliot Smith. <laughs> And it's so awkward. He's in like a little white suit. He looks like a little boy. And he comes out. And I think they threw in a flute solo lead to cover one of his guitar parts last second or something. (laughs) Like they rehearsed it. And then last second, the conductor again is like, you know what? Let's let's just throw in that little flute part. And you can see his face when the flute comes in. Like he's playing. And he's like very Elliot Smith about it. Like just very like... (laughs) In his own little world at the Oscars or whatever, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then this flute part comes in and you just see him have like a little mini stroke. Like he's just like, oh, God, <laughs> you know. But yeah, he plays for like a minute and a half, goes out and then comes back later and him and Celine Dion holding hands and they bow. It, it's cute. It's, it's a nice little, nice little moment in, mm-hmm. his, in his life. But yeah, that song is the um, Johnny Walker Red song. So anyway, yeah, I'll have to add this tea with the Johnny Walker for my little Elliot Smith tribute day, which I think I've been skipping out on it the past couple, just forgetting about it. Yeah. But I think this year I'm definitely going to do it. Little... Repeating event in your calendar. Yeah, yeah. That saved me through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Well, we um talking about production, mixing, least favorite part, favorite part. And weren't you recently overseas? Mm-hmm. Was this a pre-production thing? Did you go to yeah. like, cool. Um, I went back to Berlin for my fourth time. Um, favorite city in the world. Really? God, I love Berlin. Wow. I haven't seen many cities, <laughs> but um, the handful that I have, like, I adore Berlin. Cool. Um, and I had been... Let's see, it was the first week and a half or so of July, and I had been out two months of being trans. Mm-hmm. Whole identity, all twisted up and about, because um, I, I spent about 10 days inpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a whole breakdown and everything, and while inside, it's the first time I ever thought about myself in ever. Wow. 
And I realized a lot of my depression and self-hatred was because I was presenting wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and way more than that. But um, so not even, not even two months later, I'm in Berlin, a city where no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Mm. I got correctly gendered more in Berlin having just recently started a transition wow. than I do now, a couple months later. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's the very first night we were there, we ended up going to a drag bar for a drag show mm -hmm. that ended like two songs after we got there and then another drag show started. Wow. Yeah. And it was a Tuesday night. Yeah. We ended up drinking to the drag show. I think the drag show ended at midnight and then mm -hmm. the bar just stayed open for a couple more hours. Um, it was it was a great time. The host ended up naked on stage. Oh my gosh. It's, you know, yeah. uh, it was wonderful. I got all dressed up um, and not a single person gave me two looks. Wow. The entire time mm -hmm. I'm there. Soon as I get on the plane, that's when it started happening. Sure. Um, but the the German people in Berlin, they're just like, you just do you. Cool. Like it it doesn't matter. But went out there to do pre production for Fiona and Strange's next record, which they are gonna be here in just a couple weeks. Wow. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. They'll be here for most of September working on it. Cool. Um, and then spent. Um, they had a weekend festival that they were playing at while I was there, which I was like, go, please, go make money <laughs> and play a great festival show. Um, so then I spent time with another one of my clients, uh, Miss Stereo Chemistry, um, to, we, we actually did some pre-production on an EP that she wants to do, um, which is going to be really cool. Um, so she's Serbian. Hmm. And... Um, she, it's a fascinating story. Um, so the short version, um, she lived in Serbia when we were bombing them in the 90s. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so her and her family had to get out. Mm -hmm. um, so she moved to Italy um, and did a lot of her schooling there um, and was, like, working on her um, graduate program, had a whole midlife crisis, mm -hmm. um, and dropped out to do music full-time awesome um so she now lives in berlin um does bunch of touring i think her record was 100 flights in a year or something like that that's the name of the record or? no no like um she had done 100 different flights in a year oh, oh, just oh. from touring oh wow yeah touring in in um europe is a lot different than here i see um you can usually get, depending on places, the scene that you're in, um, a lot of venues will pay to get you there and That's house you. That's nice. That's and, nice. And then the next venue will pay to get you there. What? Yeah. Um, I spent a little bit of time with Pandora's Bliss on the road uh, a couple years ago out there, just a couple of days. Um, we went to Switzerland, and we were in Basel. We crashed at one of the band's... Um, houses where they were like growing their own weed in one of the rooms okay. um, and um, at the venue there was um, an entire uh, fridge filled with beer free <laughs> to all the bands and they had um, I'm, I've never done food service so I forget what it's called but it's a little tray with like the Bunsen burner heater under it yeah. like that style of food yeah. they had like a bunch of trays of food free for all the bands oh my gosh um, 
and that was like a venue venue yeah so the next day we went from basel to Winterthur, which was like a, a deep Winterthur. Winterthur. yeah that's fun to say yeah it's a beautiful yeah. little town um you gotta be with a name like Winterthur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um it was like this little punk house basement show but the whole first floor there was a kitchen and bedrooms like with bunk beds and everything they cooked food for the bands um and they all got to stay on the first floor they lived on the second floor and then the show happened in the basement and each band got a case of beer and a bag of weed oh my gosh wow tour switzerland <laughs> funny enough um very similar setup. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do a plug now. In Muncie, Indiana, mm. it's a venue called Be Here Now. And the guy that runs it, Whitney, um, kind of likes that. Um, he lets bands stay at his. He has like a huge house just down the road from the venue. And um, when I got there, he was like, um, "Do you like drugs? What kind of drugs do you like?" And he was like, "I got." Uh, so you got weed, coke, I think I have some uh, mushrooms, acid, um, I have like some kind of like upper amphetamine kind of thing. They're all upstairs in a drawer, help yourself. Oh my God. I was like, I got to perform for you <laughs> soon. He's like, well, you know, some people really like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, kind of similar. He's like, got a fridge full of beer, help yourself, got mm-hmm. all this. Um, so yeah, if you're ever touring the midwest Make sure i gotta get out the midwest more yeah i think the only midwest i've done was ohio yeah ohio's great it. for music yeah yeah we were in youngstown have you played youngstown i haven't uh, i don't know i don't even think i've been through youngstown everyone mm. that was there was really awesome mm. the venue was really really cool the town is just having some trouble oh yeah that's that's ohio unfortunately yeah the whole state is kind of I think I figured it out. I am no economics expert. But so I, I don't understand why a state with five big cities, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, no, I can't really, maybe Texas has, mm. has five big cities. But mm-hmm. for the most part, maybe California. But mm-hmm. nowhere else really seems to have, like, they have one or two, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but they have five big port cities universities and the whole town the whole state um for example this is how i judge economies their sheets they don't have chobani yogurts you know what i mean <laughs> like that's such they we have like our little gourmet sheet section here all mm-hmm. over pennsylvania you can get these like high-end four dollar yogurts and the cheeses and the organic snacks ohio doesn't even have that hmm. i went to pump gas at a gas station in ohio their credit cards thing weren't working. And I was like, is there, like, is my card not working? I'm like, oh, no, that just happens. It goes out. We don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> their whole, like, I don't know, the economy is just a little more backwards. And I think it's because their entire, how they make their money is is off of colleges. Mm. So it'd be like if, if LVC covered all the economics of Lebanon County. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's only nine months out of the year are you making any money? And then mm-hmm. you have to try and, so then what happens is people just start, you know, selling drugs and, and crime and all kinds of stuff starts popping up. Um, so I've never been to Youngstown, but 
all the little Ohio towns I've been to, that seems to be the case, unfortunately. I know Ohio was a lot of manufacturing for many, many years, and that's been in the decline in the area. Yeah, yeah. So we're just trying to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, aren't we all, though? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, for better or worse. I've got it figured out. but <laughs> <laughs> At least someone does. Uh, yeah, carrying the load for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy having it all figured out. Oh, yeah, I wanted to say earlier, we were talking about conducting. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Freddie Mercury perform live? I mean, not like old videos. Um, a handful of videos, yeah. He would like conduct. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Like, he, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Is that is that really what conductors do? They do like a, I don't know. I, he was being very Freddie Mercury about it, but I was like practicing it the other day. I was watching him sing something, mm-hmm. and just like watching him with the crowd. I'm like, <laughs> it's cool. Like, it's it, not. I mean, essentially, what conducting is is it's just like you're the metronome of the of everything. Okay. In, in giant hand quotes, yeah. um, it's they're watching you to know where the beat's going. So if he wants to slow something down, he can slow it down. If he wants to speed it up, if he wants to tell you to come in. The conductor, how it was explained to me, uh, and I loved it, is like the conductor is the mixing engineer of the orchestra. Whoa. Yeah. So they're standing up front. They're the ones in charge. And at any one point in time, they can bring a section out a little bit more for volume or tell a certain section to get a little bit more quiet. They're up there mixing the sound as it's hitting them, and then the next person that hears it is the audience. That's uh-huh. why the conductor always has the back to the audience. Um, and larger, more, I almost said more advanced orchestras. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically. Um, but some of the larger orchestras, it, it gets down real f- um, finite to... Um, playing in the back rows of the orchestra, playing a little bit more on top of the beat because mm-hmm. of the distance between the back row and the conductor. And uh, the instrumentalist sitting in the front stage just playing just a, a little bit behind the beat. So being a little bit more in front and a little bit more behind than the actual sound waves that are coming out of their instruments will hit at a more locked-in time. Huh to be a little bit more accurate of a sound for the audience. Wow. It's real minute and specific like that, and usually the conductor is the one that um, just controls it, mm-hmm. you know, like a mixing engineer. Right. So inherently, a conductor is just taking charge and leading everything in a, in a specific direction. Do you have a favorite conductor? Or do you keep up with them? or? I've, I've, truthfully, I've fallen out of it. I know, um, I've got a couple records of a couple different conductors upstairs that I'll occasionally pull out of the sleeve and throw on the turntable. Yeah. Um, I always truly, I always really like when I can to hear the composer conduct mm. his own music. Mm. Cause who, it's two schools of thought. I want to hear what the composer wanted. And then I like hearing what a conductor interprets. Sure. It's, you know, it's the whole right. whole debate. Do you want to get purist or do you want to hear interpretations? I wonder if there have been feuds over the years, I'm sure, between oh, composers yeah. and conductors. Oh, like I bet. Yeah, that must be like the nerdiest fight. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be a funny little, like, movie or something. You know what I mean? Like, like a Will Ferrell, John C. Riley thing where one's a conductor, one's a composer, and they just hate each other, but they have to work together. <laughs> so like, 
raise money for like like Will Ferrell's like an old drunk <laughs> composer, but he has to write one more piece. Mm. I don't know. That could be. I was watching. What was I watching? I was watching something last night, and they were on TV. And so it's in my both brain. of them. No. Oh, it's um, Wedding Crashers. Oh. And the scene where Will Ferrell. Um, he's. I was watching it with my mom. Mm-hmm. It's flipping channels, and then like that scene came on. He's literally like living at home with his mom. He's like, Mom, I want meatloaf. Meatloaf. And my mom's like, Oh, you're gonna be just like that when you're forty <laughs> now. <laughs> No, she didn't say that. But um, yeah. Um, but you like classical music too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have like, have you heard of um? It's called I think it's called Liked, which is German for light. And locked music. No, the light. The, oh, light. The whole music. Musical. It was like it was this crazy German guy. Oh. And it was called Liked. And it was based, it was, it was like 27 volumes based off the Urantia book, hmm. which is a weird book, mm-hmm. kind of like the Bible, mm-hmm. but it's like with aliens. It's sort of like a Scientology kind of oh. book, but this German composer was obsessed with it. Do you know when it, um, roughly when? I'll have to look it up then. Can you give me a century? Oh, 19th or 20th. 20th, Okay, so recent. Yeah. Okay, okay. But this weird Urantia book, Mm. I actually found one when I was in Chicago. It Mm -hmm. originated in Chicago. Um, But the original copy, they used to give it to various people, Mm -hmm. and then they would die. Like, Jimi Hendrix had it when he died. Steve Mm. Ray Vaughan had it right before. Because didn't he die in a plane crash? I forget. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it wasn't on the plane crash, but like, so it's this weird book, but this German composer is obsessed with it. I love and conspiracy he, theory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to look into the Urantia book. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to know if I happen to actually know. I can look it up. Composer. Yeah. Let me see. And it, it's hard to, I was listening to WRTI at the perfect time. I hardly ever listened to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I forget what was going on. I think usually I have XPN on in mm-hmm. the car. And, um, I'm an NPR girl. Okay. <laughs> um, and maybe that was it. Maybe um, maybe um, I did have NPR on, but they were doing like a, a thing, a talking thing on. Because usually as soon as I start hearing, um, what was I liked? Um, what were we talking about? Conductor? Or what would that be called? Uh, liked Was it like an opera? Opera maybe Liked um, music Conductor Guy <laughs> Peter Paul Fuchs I think Peter Paul Fuchs Fuchs I don't Austrian know Austrian born conductor Is also oh. a composer I'm not quite sure if this is it yet. This is the problem with my podcast is I don't really have a point. I just kind (laughs) of go and we end up, I end up Googling something that it's all right. I'll have to Google it some other time and and we'll talk, we'll get to it. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll spend all day trying to figure out who this guy is. But yeah, liked is the 
Opera. The piece? The piece. But it's like 27 volumes or something. Or maybe it's seven. This guy devoted his whole life to it. You know what I mean? And it goes through... Or maybe he made seven when it was like one for each day that God made the world or something crazy mm. composer. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know any composers? Anybody who... They have to be the craziest. It's a different... It's it's a very different way of looking at the world. Yeah. Um, they're usually pretty introverted, mm. but have have had to extrovert themselves mm. so there's this like this level of awkwardness but charm mm. to them almost in a way but like very private lives typically right and, and the handful that i've i've met and spent time with but right. it's, it's usually this peculiarness to them mm. like a like a mystery yeah, but they're all know. very charming. But how much? So you spent like I'm sure if you spent a week with them, though, <laughs> at some point they'd snap or they'd need like their space, their alone time. Yeah, you know I mean, like yeah, I mean, introvert myself, I need that like yeah rejuvenating alone time just yeah. to, to get back up to regular. Yep. So me too. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You're not a Pisces mo- or a Scorpio moon by any chance, are you? I don't know what my that moon stuff? is. That stuff's wild. Mm-hmm. I don't know how into like astrology you are. Meh. Yeah. Um, but I, I had these crazy, uh, I shouldn't say crazy. I, my roommates in college, um, Hannah, I love you. She's, uh, she was actually raised Wiccan. Oh. Very cool. And she would do, I want to say spells and stuff. And like, it was cool stuff. But she, she read my whole chart for me the one day mm-hmm. um, and really broke it down. It's interesting. So I'm a Libra rising, which is when you first meet me, you think that's what I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces, whatever. That's my normal one. And then my moon is Scorpio. So uh, Scorpio. Your moon sign is like your deep inner self. Oh. You're like true self, okay. per se. Yeah. So my true self is uh, a scorpion, very withdrawn. Mm. And if you get too close, like I'll sting you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my, my uh, upfront um, first impression self is this, like Libras are like the life of the party and they're like mm. charming and they're very like, um, you know. Um, so just, you know, having that explained to me, like, sometimes I literally will be like, man, like, I don't feel like going out right now. And all these people like wanted me to hang out. Like they think I'm like their best friend. I'm like, oh, it's because I was, they were hanging out with Libra Alex, mm-hmm. but now I need to be Scorpio Alex. You know what I mean? So it kind of, it's, it's, it's one way to look at Interesting. yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, if you ever have 10 minutes, you could kind of do your whole little chart. Someday. I think I've looked it up once or twice when I was drunk. Sure. And yeah. then next morning, oh, that, that's when you have to do it. Like mm-hmm. we were drunk and she has this huge book of like all the signs. Actually, it's a book of days. Oh. Every day of the year, it has a description of it for you, too, which is cool, too, because it will yeah. explain. Um, yeah, that was a cool book. I used to look at it all the time. See, if I'm going to get read, I'd, I'd want it to be by... Like someone that does practice Wiccan yeah, or, or something, yeah. someone that hasn't, someone whose knowledge didn't come from just the internet. You, you know what would be cool? Because Hannah, 
I need to reconnect with her. She's a filmmaker. Mm. Makes wild films. Um, and if Perdre or any of the projects you're working with ever needs any kind of music video, I know she wanted to get into music video directing. Mm. You guys should link up. And if she, I've wanted to do scoring for films for a while. Oh, so if she man. wants some any sort of audio to go with film, I'd love to do it. That would be awesome. Have you done any scoring or any type of like? Um, for film, not particularly. Um, but I've done a lot of scoring. Um, one of one of my degrees is in music composition. Cool. So I spent four or six semesters studying. Um, weekly um weekly lessons meetings with um one of the composers that i know oh okay um, it, you... it's just like a weekly um instrument um lesson but i would bring in what i was working on um we'd listen to it um get some critiques get some notes of it uh -huh. and then i'd take it home work on it bring it back and just write a credit i wrote couple pieces um that way i also like worked on some by myself of course but like the first piece we had to do was a solo piece solo mm -hmm. instrument because if you can if you can't write for a solo instrument you're not gonna get quality writing huh. is the the school of thought yeah right. you got to start simple can you write can you write a tune mm -hmm. that's how he talked tune <laughs> love him <laughs> Um, can you write something for a single instrument and like want to listen to it? Then you do a duet. Then you either do a trio or a quartet. And then from there, you can start expanding and doing larger pieces. Mm -hmm. So I did a solo piece for a, I want to say alto, alto or tenor sax. It's been a minute. <laughs> um, the duet, I think, was like cello and flute. Um, I think I managed to be able to skip my trio and then my quartet was a brass quartet that I did what uh, two trumpets trombone and tuba I think and I actually did a theme and variations so like I wrote I wrote this cute little melody mm -hmm. that was um, I don't know, maybe like 32 some bars or something and then I just kept developing it in the different ways and mm -hmm. I, I just started doing some like weird shit i like put it in different time signatures and like i gave the melody to different instruments but like did totally it just it's theme and variations is just like here's something now fuck with it <laughs> cool and uh, that was a lot of fun the weirdest one i did was an electronic music piece i was gonna say i i, I feel like i hear a lot of composition that way now in a lot of electronic music mm -hmm. where you do have that foundation melody and it might start with like a little synth riff mm -hmm. and then by the end of the song it's it's gone through almost every type of instrument but mm -hmm. you know it's, uh, I want to say it's been modulated like sometimes oh, yeah. it doesn't uh, if it's like a do 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 towards the end you might just get like the do do you know what I mean mm -hmm. between like mm -hmm. Anyway. Development is a is a fascinating field of study, um, and like these these concepts, giant hand quotes of development are centuries old. Mm -hmm. um, they've been used since pre Bach. Bach did a, a 
ton of work in development. Fugue is nothing but presenting a theme and developing it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. um, and well, people might argue with that, but I'm not getting into that. Oh boy! <laughs> if you're listening, uh, uh oh, hit um, up Taylor and uh oh dispute. But like a, a theme could be um, uh, an eight bar melody, or it could be as simple as da 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 da. -da. And then the entire piece of Beethoven's Fifth is just that falling third. That's all it is. Huh. And he just develops that interval for an entire fucking piece. Hmm. And plays a little bit more with it. And development can be changing melody to different keys it can be mm. playing it backwards it can be inverting it it could be putting it in different instruments oh. it could be elongating it it could be shortening it it could be taking the intervals of it and playing with it like development is just like literally playing with shit mm. that's that's what it is here's a thing now play with it and some of my favorite composers were developmentalists that's why Mozart and I don't get along too much. Um, I, I feel like he didn't develop enough for my taste. Gotcha. Um, he also was in the whole school of thought of like the, the, the golden ratio of when a piece should peak. And I'm like, you're using math oh. to tell you when to, to climax in your music. And you lost me. Yeah. But I've, I've always really enjoyed Beethoven was my first favorite composer because it was just strap yourself in and <laughs> ride the ride. Didn't matter what piece it was, you knew it was him. Yeah. Wow. So then do you apply, I'm sure you do, this development to the bands that you're producing? And oh, yeah. 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 It's all figuring out what they'll let me get away with. Cool. A lot of it. Um, a lot of bands just want to get themselves captured sounding better than they do in a room by themselves. Yeah. Um, and then some bands do want that element of production. Mm -hmm. And um, being able to apply a lot of those just simple ideas mm -hmm. of, well, what if we move that melody over here? Or what if we double this? Or um, what if we harmonize this? And it's just a lot of... It opens up a lot of doors. Yes. You know, yeah. it's just a lot more tools in the in the tool shed mm -hmm. to be able to do something. Um, and then, like, even applying that to um, tone-based things, like um, thinking opposites versus similar. What do I want to have more attention? And do I want that to change over time? Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really, I really love what I do. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I can tell. You know, I can hear it. But, mm -hmm. You know, it's um, hard to explain this to someone at like over a drink at a bar at a show. Sure. Why should we come to you? What gear you have? Uh, right. I feel like I shouldn't talk to you right now. Yeah. Do you have? Have you worked on selling this space at all? Anyway, like, do you have like a shtick that you try to pitch to people? Right? You know, or do you just kind of? I try. If I'm not here. If they're not here with me, it's really hard um, because when in today's day and age, that might be Kevin. I hear a key. Hey. Hello. What's up? Would you like to be in the podcast? That face. That's a great <laughs> face. 
I've seen this face before. I've actually had my first one I did. This is my friend Katie Trainer, and her girlfriend came over, and she just didn't say like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I do it." And it was this, but in her kitchen, mm. and it was that look, but in the kitchen. So this is a little bit more of a pro. You know, I'm sure you've walked in and seen all kinds of stuff happening in here, musical equipment wise. So, yeah, 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 right. But yeah, that was a great face. <laughs> By the way, Kevin, Taylor's assistant, just walked in to 7th Wave. Rocking a Mars Volta shirt. How's it going? Good stuff. Killing it. Killing it. Yeah. Sorry for intruding. Oh, good. Yeah, you're oh. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forget what I was talking. Um, just just trying to, like, sell the space to oh, get yeah. things in here. Get... Um, yeah, I find it's it's really hard to describe the place without seeing the place and who I am Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're not here and you're talking to someone like oh you you have a studio it turns into it turns into any sort of thing in their brain it could Mm -hmm. be like a friend of theirs that has a laptop in their room which there's nothing wrong with that at all like you can today's technology you can make music sounding great anywhere yep. you truly can uh, especially because a lot of music tends to lean towards the electronic element these yeah, days right so you can make that anywhere i tend to do a lot more acoustic based instruments i love a kick-ass drum set give me a ripping and roaring dirty bass tone and i love guitar but i also love synth mm-hmm. so i i'm um i need the space to be able to do all of that um so when I tell someone that like, yeah, I have a studio and I like pro- produce is a weird word yeah. to a lot of people. They mostly assume you make beats. Yeah. And like, yes, but it's I feel like the I feel like the art of production has been lost to um What's the word I want to choose? Um, just like lost in social commentary. Hmm. I, I feel like it's not really understood. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it used to be, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Words grow and change. Yeah, that's natural. Um, but like, it's it's hard for me to like really prove. I, I feel like if I'm at a bar talking to someone mm-hmm. about what I do. I have to be the one that has to prove that they should care about what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm over that. If you want to talk about music and you want to talk about like what like your music or what you're doing or anything like that, I will talk for hours at a bar. Mm-hmm. Like that's fine. If if you're approaching me trying to get my credentials mm-hmm. at a bar, like I just I'm having a beer. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. And like I, I don't want to, like, talk gear at a bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will sometimes, but, like, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people that want to talk gear with me have only watched videos and read forums about it and haven't actually, like, used it like I have. Okay. Yeah. And it's, like, hard to d- have that conversation because then they'll be like, well, I've heard that. And I'm like, cool, have you heard it? <laughs> and it just gets, like, hard to have conversations like that. So I, I find as much as I can, I prefer to, like, meet people here. They can s- – I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I, I wear my, my, my heart on my walls. Like, there's a lot of weird shit here because <laughs> I'm a weird person. 
And I feel like the flow and the look of the place sets the mood for who I am more than my words ever could Mm -hmm. at a bar. So as much as I can, I try to just meet and talk here. Right. Um, It's the shtick thing's hard. Uh, I usually if I have to if I have to shtick, I usually keep it short um, because I hate shticking in general. Yeah. But um, it's usually something like um, I don't even know. Um, I just try to keep it really short and to the point. Mm -hmm. Just like this is what I do for a living. This is not a hobby. This is I'm here almost seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this a long time. I logged my 10,000 sometime ago. Um, this is just like I love what I do. And no one else is probably going to care about your music as much as I will. Because I try to weed through people. I try to work with people I want to work with. Because yep. my, my mantra is that there's good people, good music, and good money. And as long as I have two out of those three, I'm happy. Oh, that's awesome. Like, great people and good music, I'll cut my rate. I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, good music and um, good money, you can be a dick to me, but you're paying my full rate, so it's fine. Yeah. And then um, good people and good money. I've worked on things that I may not love, mm-hmm. but I love spending time with the person, and I know they love it. Yeah. And for that... I can love it too. Because mm-hmm. I just, I'm deep down I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. So as long as the people I care about feel cared about and love what's happening, then I feel better about it. Mm-hmm. So I may not ever listen to that project in leisure again. Yeah. But every time I look at it, I'll have good memories. And that, that matters more to me sure. in that situation. So like as long as long as I'm dealing with that, yep, I'm uh, I'm a happy camper. Awesome. I'm sure some days are easier here than others, and oh yeah, yeah. it's it's gets tough sometimes. Yeah, when you have more than one project and mix revisions, the morality is low. Gotcha. Well, you still have your cat, right? Oh yeah, cat. cats are good for that kind of energy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. little Susie Sue. Doing okay? Cast doing okay? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. doing great. She's finally... Man, she is about two years old now. Wow. Good God. You go out quick. Yeah. Nice. She's a little chonk. Mm-hmm. It's adorable, though. Um, I don't think I know anybody our age that has a cat, and the cat isn't fat. <laughs> like, just something about our age group. We just... I don't know what we're doing. Again, I was over at my mom's last night. She has two very, like, fit cats. Mm-hmm. She keeps track of when she feeds them. But I have two cats, and the food bowl is always full. Mm-hmm. And they don't know when to t- turn it off, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they're huge. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not worried. I mean, yeah. I'm a people pleaser, but I'm definitely a cat pleaser. Oh, yeah, you have to be. Because the cat will let you know when it's not happy. <laughs> oh, and she will. Yeah. She is a bitchy little thing, but went. The feeling when she just, like, hops up and meows at you. Because she's a talker. When she's in the mood, she's a talker. Mm -hmm. And I adore that. Because I spent so much time talking to her as a kitten, hoping. Because she didn't meow for a long time. Oh, yeah. She was a very, very quiet cat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it took almost two fucking solid years to get her out of her shell. And she's she'll, like, walk into a room and meow to announce herself. And I'll just, like... 
talk right back to her. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll walk into a room and see her, and I'll be like, hey, and she'll meow back at me. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got in this world. Awesome. Well, um, I wasn't even keeping track. That was, this might, I don't know if this is my longest one that I've done, which is good. It's great. I feel like we were never really, didn't have, especially going in with, I didn't really have any kind of lesson <laughs> plan or anything. Um, we got Alice Cooper for a good <laughs> 10 minutes, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, so was it August 24th? I'm going to say this will probably be out in about a month. Sweet. Thinking of that, when you go back to listen to it a month from now, mm-hmm. anything you want to say to future Taylor? Oh, my. Um, you're prettier than you think. Um, that outfit probably looks really cute on you. None of this is going to make sense to anyone, sis, and I don't care. <laughs> um, it's a constant struggle to feel like yourself every day, but you're a stronger woman because of it. Um, and you'll get through it. Um, and no, she's wrong. Yes, they're right. And yes, she loves you. Maybe that'll make sense to me later. I don't know. I think it might. I hope so. Yeah. And again, any closing words or anything you want to throw out to the people? I mean, this was, we've been trying to do this for months now. Yeah. And I feel like this was great timing. Cool. I mean, you've, I mean, you first asked me before I was out. Right, yeah. Yeah, it would have been a very different podcast then. That's true. Very different. That's true. That would have made the last question very interesting. And probably very awkward. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm cool. glad that we waited. Yeah. This was a ton of fun. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to hang out more. Definitely. You know, not just for a podcast. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right. Well, with that, any uh, any farewells for the good people listening? Uh, keep doing your thing, people out there. Um, if I guess if there's a time to sell myself, it's now. If you've gotten this far and you're the least bit interested in working with me, um, contact me at seventhwavestudio.com. Um, the quickest and easiest way to to get back to you. Um, and if you don't think you can afford me, or if you don't think you're good enough, uh, I'm going to tell you you're probably wrong and just reach out because half the battle is just connecting with someone. And especially if you're in the queer community, I would love to hear your story, please. Awesome. That's great. Thanks, Taylor. My pleasure.